All right, coming in in five, four, three, two. Welcome back, people of Earth, once again to What's Good Radio. I am, as always, your host, Chris Pennant, a.k.a. Jake Stanley, also known as Jumping Spider, the worldwide web slinger, a Chicagoan until Chicago wins, and your favorite game show winners, game show winner, all day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just added on that last part this time because it came to me because it rhymed. Uh, we might cut it. We might. Actually, no, we're not going to cut it because it was funny. I'll uh, leave it in. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a good show down for you tonight. I want to welcome on Colleen Sullivan of uh, Southside Sox of the Know Your Enemy column before every White Sox series. Also <laughs> one of the erstwhile hosts of the Estrogen Power Hour uh, women-led White Sox podcast and just general podcast for when the times get tough. And you need to talk about it. So, Colleen, this is our second crack at this, but I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Obviously, the White Sox are doing well, um, and obviously they still have struggles, but I really wanted to get you on, obviously, to talk about the theme of the show, what you do, why you find it good. And there's a lot of different levels. You're not just the White Sox writer. You're not just a sports writer. So I wanted, we want to get an idea of that. So where, where are you from? Talk about where you're from, where you came up, high school, all that. And then what got you into, uh, if not writing, uh, you know, towards, towards writing about the Sox? Yeah. So um, my family's originally from Bridgeport, uh, Bridge, like the Bridgeport Canaryville area. Um, I went to high school in the Southwest Burbs, so I graduated from Oak Forest. Um, if anybody knows where that is, I'm impressed. Because <laughs> uh, usually everyone knows where like Orland and Zimley Park are, and they're like, Oak Forest, where's that? Um, and then I went to St. Xavier for undergrad. So I've stayed in the general like Southside area. Um, I very briefly lived in Rogers Park uh, for about two years. And it was not, not to say that it wasn't like a nice neighborhood, but it felt like just from having grown up on the South side, it just felt really far away from everything. Oh. Um, so yeah. So I wasn't into it. It was like, Evanston is very, like Evanston's very nice. Rogers Park was very nice. All the neighborhood, you know, it's a nice area up there. Um, but it's just, it was just weird to me living so far away from stuff. Um, and it's also kind of a pain in the butt. Because there's so many people, I think, that get seduced by <laughs> seduced by the pull of the north side. But no, I mean, there's a lot of people I know who have moved up there, um, up along the north, north lake shore, and mm-hmm. they really like it. But I've had a similar experience growing up on the south side and living in Logan Square. I feel like I'm far away from stuff. Like, I feel a little um, yeah. out of water. Yeah. Um, I lived in... Very briefly, I lived in Wicker Park um, when it was cheap. <laughs> um, and I, back and in the day. Call, uh, back in the day, yeah. I like to laugh that, like, when I lived in Wicker Park, um, I'm pretty sure my neighbor was, like, a meth dealer. Oh. <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> like, I lived in Wicker Park when it was, like, bad. <laughs> um, so it's really funny to me now that it's all, like, Lululemon moms and stuff. And I'm yeah. like... And that uh, the double door is like a Starbucks now or some shit. So oh, it, it kind of it kind of bums me. That stuff kind of bums me out. It's just so weird to me that like Wicker Park is like uber fancy and expensive. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like my husband and I, so my husband is a union mechanic. Um, and at the time he was working at a Toyota, Toyota dealer on the north side. He's like, you know, I'd really like to live closer to, I mean, I... I work in an office. I can commute from anywhere. And he's like, you know, I'd really like to be a little bit closer. Um, so we looked around like Edgewater and um, Andersonville, all of the stuff up there. We really liked Rogers Park because it was just a, a nice area. It's cute. Um, it's pretty cheap because of the college kids. Um, and living up there, it was like, it was okay. You know, I don't have major objections to it, but it felt like really inconvenient to go to stuff you know like the red line's right there and I could take the red line to a Sox game but it would take forever oh Uh, yeah so it was and then like driving anywhere from our apartments 
Um, to get out of Rogers Park is kind of annoying sometimes. Like the traffic up there is really bad. So yeah. it just like it it wasn't for me. <laughs> like I, I got used to certain I don't I don't want to say creature comforts, but I got used to living on the south side and having things be a certain way. And I was like, this isn't for me. Um, and my husband has actually said out of all of the neighborhoods we've lived in together and that all of the neighborhoods he's lived in but like by himself he thinks Bridgeport was the best so I I think we've converted him to a Southsider <laughs> and that so he didn't even have to go through um the uh the the indoctrination that your dad had with you and your siblings he didn't even have to no. do that. No, so his mom's a Cubs fan, um, but she's not as like rabid as my dad is. So, <laughs> I was gonna say, did she make him say white, so, no. white socks or white socks suck before he got cookies? And it's so funny because like everybody always asks me, they're like, "Did he really do that?" I'm like, "Yes." If you met my dad, <laughs> like if you met my dad within like 15 minutes of talking to him, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, yep that that makes sense." That makes um, sense. <laughs> yep, that tracks. Yeah, so because my mom was a Cubs fan, because um, she grew up in Sawyer, which is now famous for having Greenbush Brewery. Um, oh yeah. And yeah, and before all of you know, before all of that stuff came up, I mean, it was just a regular little small town in small town in Michigan. Um, and at the time, you know, WGN used to be everywhere, right? You literally <laughs> like you used to get it nationally. Um, so they would, that was the only station that they would get that had like baseball on it because at the time, whatever channel the Tigers played on in Michigan, it didn't, they didn't get it. Um, so just because of, you know, convenience, she grew up a Cubs fan. Right. Her and my dad met in, yeah. And her and my dad met in college. I mean, and he grew up 37th and Wallace, you know, like the old ballpark was like his backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, so then when they had kids, my dad was like really driving home the white side. <laughs> that is our team. The Cubs suck. Like it was a whole thing. <laughs> so, and my mom, like my mom's got a good sense of humor about it. And she's like, whatever. I like both teams. I'm like, okay, mom, it's, it's fine that you don't. <laughs> um, but she'll go to sock. She will go to a lot of socks games and she's fine with it. So then to repay her, I guess for her kindness and being a Sox fan, uh, whenever the Mets are in town, I take her to the Cubs games because then nice. she gets to, then she gets to see her team. That's very magnanimous <laughs> of you because I th yeah. I think from from what you're saying, what we what we talked about um, when you came up, and maybe it's not a generational thing as much as I think it is, but mm. like we're both of that last generation of you had to make a choice. Yeah. Like you had to, you were a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan and you might yep. say like certain players on other on the other team but it wasn't like you were a White Sox and a Cubs fan. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't think that's really as big of a thing anymore. Um I've noticed that like some people would be like, well, when he was on the Cubs obviously they'd be like, "Oh, I like Chris Bryant, but I'm a Sox fan." And I was like, "I'm sure he's a nice guy, but ew, he's on the Cubs." Like, ugh. Um, and then like Javi Baez went to the Mets and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to reconcile that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, still rough. Like, man, well, I was like, let's see if he makes it to the 2022 season on the Mets and then I'll, I'll work it out. <laughs> well, when you, um, when you factor in his performance uh, <sighs> after going to the Mets, I mean, it kind of works out. You don't really yeah. have to be like, <laughs> you don't really have to yeah. say. He's, um, yeah, and I knew, like, I had a feeling with him going to the Mets, just having seen him play in Chicago and being, you know, exposed to him in Chicago as much as we are, I knew that he was going to have a hard time appealing to Mets fans, knowing that, you know, he has a high strikeout rate and he makes a lot of errors and you know he they like to show the highlights of el mago making these tags that he's not looking at the player as he's tagging them and oh it's magic but also knowing that he does those all the time and he misses players a lot you know so he misses yeah. The tags. yeah um so i kind of knew going into that i was like oh he's gonna have a hard time in new york when like he's not doing awesome you know, when he's not hitting 
home runs or if he's, you know, making a bunch of errors and screwing up. And yep. Yeah. They booed him. Uh, they booed him pretty heavily. Uh, and then all, yeah. And then all the thumbs down stuff started, which was just stupid in my opinion. Like let the player, like leave the players alone. If they want to thumbs down the fans, whatever, like who cares? Don't boo them then. I guess if you're going to get that mad about it. Well, that's a, that's a good thing because that's a good thing to talk about because that was, um, not, me not being a Mets fan, and I, I know that we haven't obviously, as y'all can tell, as y'all can tell, Colleen's second <laughs> team is the Mets. Not me not being a Mets fan, but but liking them to a certain degree because of those. When when Ventura went to the Mets, I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, what? I kind of like them, and I just yeah. happened to like their players in that late '90s, early 2000s era. Um, Edgardo Alfonso. Oh um, yeah. Ray, Mike Ray, Piazza. Uh, Benny Agbayani, all those guys, Mike Piazza, you know. Yep. <laughs> but it's it is weird because the Mets aren't the second team in New York in the same way that the White Sox are the second team in New York. I think just because they've had in 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 Ottawa, they've had more success, more recent success. Like the '86 World Series was thirty five thirty five years ago now. Yes. Yeah. Still. Yep. It's fairly recent, and they went to the World Series in 2000 and 2015. So it yep. seems like Mets fans are, are even more voracious about, like, if the team sucks, like, they're pissed off. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, and a lot of that comes from, I mean, like, let's be real. The Wilpons were crappy owners, right? Like, I mean, and they were, like, they're on the list of crappy owners for crappy owners like the, <laughs> you know like the the former owner of the dodgers you got the team taken away from him from by the mlb you know they're not they weren't great and there was always a lot of drama with the Wilpons, and there was just drama around the team and there was just ridiculous gossip and all of that stuff um and at the same time they have these, you know, they have like Jason or Jason DeGrom, ugh, Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard and they have these good players that fans want to see and they want to see the players do well and the team do well um and just with the Wilpons making bad front office decisions and you know Mickey Calloway doing terrible and being actually a terrible person it turned out um the, the fans are pretty impatient and I think that's valid um because they see the Yankees just throwing money at players and doing really well and it's kind of like, well, we're a big market team too. Why can't we do that? Um, so, and then they, so there's a similarity there. Yeah, there's a bit of a similarity there. Um, and then Steve Cohen bought the team and Steve Cohen's like, I'm going to spend all this money. We're going to get these great players. My goal is to go to the playoffs in the first season that I own the team. And he had all of this stuff and made all these promises that, you know, and he splashed out a bunch of money to Francisco Lindor and to James McCann and like Javi Baez, they didn't, you know, give him a ton of money, obviously. But, you know, they got him because he's this big superstar. Um, and they went from first place to third really quick. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of just pent-up aggression by the fans there when they're frustrated. They want to see the team perform well. And they know the team can perform well. And then when they're not, I mean, New York, New Yorkers are tough, man. They're going to boo you. Now, is it a thing where, um, well, have you, well, how many times have you been to New York? What's your experience in New York been like? If you've gone to Mets games or, or even just being in the city? I've actually never been to New York. Um, but that is something that my husband and I are planning to try and do so I can go to a Mets game. So I can Excellent. go to a Mets okay. game live. Um, so that's my goal. But like just from Mets fans, just New Yorkers that I've met, um, and Mets fans that I've met, like the Mets fans, they want to win. You know, it's not so much like a little brother complex because the Yankees share our city, but it's like, you know what? We have a, we're feeling a good product. What is going on? Yeah, I get you. Know? you. Yeah. So I, I get the frustration there. Um, and I think that's where a lot of it stems from is that they're fielding a good team. It's just that good team went from first to third in like a month. Which was really bad. Yeah, I, I did not expect. Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect uh, it to happen. 
no i was like well they'll go to like second and get the wild card or something i didn't think they would just like completely tank the way that they did um and i saw something on twitter that it was like the fastest drop from first place to being mathematically eliminated like ever <laughs> it was like yay that's fun that sucks <laughs> is this easier to swallow than 2007 or is it worse uh, I think it's worse just because they were so close. You know, it was really, and they started off so well. Um, with Syndergaard being hurt, you know, it's knowing that like, well, he's going to rehab and he's going to come back eventually. But in the meantime, we still have Jacob deGrom and Jacob deGrom is really good and he's right. awesome to watch pitch and he's really exciting. Then he gets hurt. Um, and then it's kind of like, well, crap what do we have in the rest of the pitching staff um and then they get rich hill who i mean god bless the guy for still playing baseball at 41 but i mean he's a 41 year old pitcher you know like there's limitations there um so it kind of like i think that's why it hurts more than in 2007 you know because it just if they were so close and they had so much potential and i was just like ah God, really? It just—it was a whole bunch of things at once that just fell apart. <laughs> it gets, for lack of a better term. I mean, yeah. I mean, I watched it. I watched it happen in the standings. I was checking. Um, yep. Not, not least because I think the. Uh, I kind of want to go back to the White Sox here. The White Sox Twitter community. Yeah. It's made me more interested in baseball, which is something that it's a sport that I've always loved. That was my first sport that I really loved was baseball, but there's a lot of things. It's easy to go off of it, especially when the White Sox are so mid for so long. Oh yeah. I tell a lot of people like I'm all for bandwagon fans. Like you want to hop on the bandwagon? Great. You left the team a long time ago and you're coming back. Awesome. I don't think I deserve a best fan medal for still watching them when they sucked. Like that wasn't fun, but I still went. (laughs) like well like baseball and summer are so intertwined in me i'm like what else am i gonna do you know so i i still went to Sox games i don't think that makes me a better fan than anybody else like i understand wanting to watch them they were bad like totally get it well i mean i i will say because there there were a lot of seasons where after um after the all-star break knowing that there wasn't any hope left i i wasn't i'm not a kid anymore and it was yeah. it was easier for me to not watch the White Sox, uh, if knowing that the product was going to be kind of bad. The 2000, yeah. I think once the rebuild happened, that changed for me because I understood going mm-hmm. in, hey, we're not going to be good. So anything that happens is a really nice bright spot. So I yeah. had a lot of fun in 2018. I had a lot of fun in 2017, even just because mm-hmm. it was like, okay, here's the product we got, but who are who are the guys that we're looking forward to? Let's hope that they do something well. So watching Jose yep. Abreu um, hit that cycle off of off of Jeff Samarja felt like some yes. revenge, just a little bit, just a little bit of revenge. And then uh, all the Adam Engel home run robberies and and all of yep. the you know all the things that the young guys did. But I will say I have always felt like uh, to 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 quote Kendrick Lamar. It, when shit hits the fan, are you still a fan? It's, it's important to me if you stick through the bad times instead of just like, you know, kind of going in and coming back out. It's like, sure, that's great. But the, the thing that bugs me about bandwagon fans is that they are bandwagon fans and they'll, they'll fall off when things aren't going well. So I've never, yeah. I have never felt the appeal to just like, well, he's like, yeah, y'all are, y'all are in here. Y'all are good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so my, like my second sport is hockey. I grew up a Blackhawks fan in the dollar bill works era when it's not on TV and they didn't raise ticket prices for 20 years. And honest to God, I can't believe they didn't have to sell the team at that point. Um, when, like when I was in college, you could go up to the box office for like 25 bucks and sit on the ice. Cause it was mm. like student, it was student pricing. Right. Um, and then after they started winning, obviously that brought in a lot of bandwagon fans. 
And I think that's where my feeling about bandwagon fans came from is that, you know what? It's not fun to watch a hockey game with 10 other people in the stadium. So like the more the merrier, right? It's not fun to watch a baseball game with, you know, 10 other people in the stadium. It's great to have those crowds and people enjoying that and the energy. Like, I think that's where a lot of my patience, I guess patience for bandwagon fans comes in. Like, it's just fun when there's people there and it's fun when they're doing well. Um, So that's, I mean, and I know that that's not for everybody. I know bandwagon fans bug a lot of people and that's fine. Like, you know, as long as people aren't gatekeeping and being jerks about it, like, your feelings are valid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, not everyone's going to agree with me. Your feelings are valid. You don't like bandwagon fans. That's cool. Just like, you know, my general feeling about that kind of stuff. Like, just don't be a jerk. Come on. Like, everyone's trying to have fun. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, and I know that there's a lot uh, of things to unpack there because there's going to be the people who are are assholes about sports knowledge. And you know, we're going to get into some of that later, obviously. Ugh. But, you know, there are people who are like, well, do you know this person? Do you know that person? Did you see this person play? It's like, no, I didn't see Rob Brantley hit a home run. You know, I wasn't at that. I wasn't at that specific game. And so, yeah, yeah there's some part of that. Like, I'm not going to ask people to like recite the White Sox prayer, which I don't. Is there a White Sox prayer? No, but there is the uh, like "Go Go White Sox" song. Yeah, I'm you know, just... and like I know some of the words. I definitely don't know all the words. Like. I think my dad got drunk and sang it at us a few times when I was a kid. So, like, I know some of the words. I did <laughs> memorize that song, I, but I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely enjoy that song. <laughs> I yeah. really love. Well, it. I mean, like, I, I have such a bad memory for songs, like the Bear Down Chicago Bears song. I thought that that was the, those were the only words for the longest time, and then I liked. <laughs> and you just kept singing it. Just like the same thing over and over again. Because I'm like, how long can you sing? You know, like, how long it. can this song be? They got to sing it through a commercial break, whatever. And then I went to a Bears game and I was like, oh, there's like verses and shit. Like, this is a real song. <laughs> I love it. My husband was like, oh my God. He's like, you've lived here your whole life. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> I'm just, I'm mildly surprised given Chicago's history and being a Southside team that there is not an actual, here's the prayer for the White Sox. <laughs> I think if there's a lot of just like, dear God, please let them not blow it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, we're all probably, praying at some point. Yeah, even if we haven't been to I church in years. Just, <laughs> I think that's just the basis of it. We're like, we're not gonna make anyone learn anything. Just dear God, please don't blow it. <laughs> well, and not to put you on the spot for this, in terms of just talking about like, you know, prove yourself as a fan, does that work? Have, where have you seen that and where, where does you does it matter where it comes from do you know where where it comes from deep in people's hearts where they feel the need to have people prove their allegiance so i'm gonna say this it's come a lot more from men well actually i've only ever had it exclusively come from men so I, I didn't doubt it. yeah so i grew up in the 90s right and you know softball was not I mean, it's softball still not like a huge thing right now, but like, you know, it's on ESPN more and they show like the the um, softball Little League World Series and stuff like that. So like a girl liking baseball was like a novelty. And I'm like this, which is so weird because the League of Their Own came out in the 90s, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where some I have like a ridiculous knowledge of some White Sox you know facts and history and like my husband always laughs when we're at the game and they put the facts on the jumbotron between innings and i know it (laughs) you know he's always like "Ah, i can never play this with you um (laughs) and and that's where a lot of that came from is because you get tired of well tell me the starting lineup from 1926 opening day white Sox and crap like that um, so at some point it's just like to answer the question to be like, yeah, I'm a fan. Here's what I know. And then like, as I got older, you know, and you develop more, I guess, security with yourself as you get older and more confidence. I'm like, you know what? You tell me first. 
Because if you're going to, you know, if you think that you have the right to sit there and ask me that question, you better be able to answer it first. That's true. You know, and that's, and that's the attitude I've, I've developed um, as I got older. So like once I hit like high school, college age, I was like, you know what? No, you don't get to sit there and question how much of a fan I am. Like that, that, that's not how this works, you know? And I understand that not everybody is going to have an encyclopedic knowledge of baseball. I never go in expecting that. Like my husband is not, was not a baseball fan when we started dating. Um, he's a very casual fan now and he'll still ask me questions about stuff. Like, and he says, he still says like really funny shit about it. Like, <laughs> like I think if it's a foul ball and they touch it, they should, it should still be a live ball. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm like, no, we're not, no, we're not. He's like, yeah. It's no, he's like, no, like, you're not doing that. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. <laughs> I don't know if you're screwing with me or I'm like, we're not doing this right now. <laughs> um, and like this week, like this past weekend, we drove up to Milwaukee for the Mets Brewers and he came for that. Um, he likes watching in the stadium. He likes the live baseball aspect of things. Um, Cause then he gets up and walks around and like watches from different points in the stadium and he gets food and he finds all the beer. Um, he brings me back snacks, which is great. I had the in-seat service before everybody, <laughs> before they put it in the apps. Um, so I generally have a pretty like relaxed view about people not knowing everything about baseball, not knowing everything about the White Sox. However, if you're going to be a jerk to me, I'm going to be a jerk right back to you about it. So oh. like, no, what's, that, very, what's that look like? Yeah. Very much like don't start. None won't be none. <laughs> like I, you know, and I've had people, <clears throat> Oh, you watched during 2016. Well, who was the catcher the day that Chris sale cut up the jerseys? Like what <laughs> team were they playing? Well, I was at the game and they were playing the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was at the game when that happened and it was weird. Yeah, it was such like that whole 2016 season is just like a weird fever dream. I'm like, I can't believe this happened. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe like I can't believe any of this stuff happened. Um, but yeah, like a lot of like in some I will admit that sometimes I like I kind of get my hackles raised when people start questioning things on Twitter, but a lot of that comes from, you know what? My entire life, people have questioned my sports knowledge. They've questioned my team knowledge. So if you ask, if you ask me a question in kind of a rude way on Twitter, I'm going to get an attitude with you. <laughs> um, and I, I understand that may not be the best approach to it, that maybe not necessarily everybody's trying to be a jerk, but just it's a lifetime of having that thrown at you. You just kind of get sick of it. I get that. Not not in the same way, obviously, because we have different backgrounds, we have different experiences. But I'm definitely a person who is sensitive to um, having my knowledge questioned, which is some, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's you. I know that for me, there's some insecurity about it. Like, how could you believe that I don't know this thing? I'm going to prove to you that I know this and many other things that you don't know. But yep. if it, there's something to it that really gets you. And especially in this instance, when it's the idea that people are looking at you and you can feel them think you're not necessarily in the right place yep. doing what you're doing. Well, and this is really funny. We actually talked about this on estrogen power hour, a couple, probably about a week after it happened. So, um, you know, with the COVID restrictions, they're still not allowing um, the writers in the locker rooms. It's, you know, Zoom meetings and all of that stuff. Okay. And um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I can't remember which player it is off the top of my head, but they had, like, early in the season, they had a few uh, first base blunders, I think will yes. be the best way. <laughs> best way to say that. Um, and after this... <laughs> And after oh, you can swear on the podcast, just in case the children. Oh, good. Yeah, because he oh, fucked up. Been, yeah, he fucked up big time. And he <laughs> fucked up a lot. Um, and, you know, one of the beat writers was complaining about it, right? He was like, you know, this guy, he made this error, and the team didn't make him available to the media. 
and blah, blah, blah. And um, I had seen someone respond to it. Oh, and he's like, um, this like pitchfork writer. Who's that? Like this guy who's not even a baseball writer. Oh, <laughs> what? I just said the <laughs> yeah, no. like what is it? The pitchfork writer. Yeah, I like the pitchfork music writer, and he was like, "Oh well, teams are required to make the players available for media," and I responded, "Actually, in baseball, they're not. Major League Baseball does not require that players be available to the media. The media can ask." Teams are not required to make the players available. But obviously, the manager has to be available. That's just, you know, obviously, the, right. the manager's available. Right. But teams are not required to make the individual players available. I said, you're thinking of, like, the NFL. Because, you know, we all remember Marshawn Lynch, like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to talk to the media. And then, like, I'm here so I don't get fined, all of that stuff. Um. And, the, and that was what I said. I'm like, you might be thinking of like the NBA or the NFL where they're required to, but Major League Baseball doesn't require that. And he responded with the media guidelines from 2016. Or not even from like 2016, maybe like 2014. Like they were a couple of years old. <laughs> and in the media guidelines, it even says players may be made available. Not players are required to be made available. And he said, and he said it like in a really shitty way, where he was like, "Well, a simple Google search would tell you this." And I was like, what? "Oh, all right, you want to fuck around? You're about to find out." <laughs> <laughs> all right, I didn't come. All right, okay, you came to play. Listen here, fucker. So <laughs> I, so last year during 2020, I had read the entire collective bargaining agreement for the what? purposes of. Why did, yeah. Oh, why did you read that? So it was for the purposes of, I was doing a comparison article for Southside Hip Pen at the time, which is now defunct. Um, but it was comparing the old rules to, you know, like the CBA rules to the COVID rules. Um, and like, it was when all the mess was coming out with the owners and the players and right, all of that. Right. So it was, it was to do a comparison and contrast of that. And I was well, actually, and then I, uh, <laughs> I sent a link to the CBA, which is 300 pages long. However, the media requirements are in like the first, you know, like 12 pages or so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, actually, here's the collective bargaining agreement, which says that players do not have to be made available to the media. I said, oh, and the sources, I get paid to write about baseball. And that was it. Like, yes. And I was, and usually I will not quote tweet people unless they're being like a huge asshole. And I was so mad about this that I quote tweeted and I was like, said something like, the moment when someone questions your baseball knowledge, when I, when you read the CBA and you're paid to write about baseball and the pylon on this guy was ridiculous. I mean, it was just people making fun of him. Like, dude you're an idiot yeah like oh like the hallowed baseball writing of pitchfork.com and stuff like that and you know he came back and he came back and apologized after he got dunked on quite a few times <laughs> um and the entire situation is really funny but at the same time i'm like i shouldn't have to read the collective bargaining agreement for you to agree that i know no. what i'm talking about right no it's you shouldn't have to be exceptional to to have a place. This is this is yep. a thing that black people have faced for for a long time, and that women have faced yep. for even longer. It's like yes, you don't need to be a crown jewel just to get in a room. Right, and I mean, we talked about it on the pod on the podcast, and not only in the context of being a woman, but like how you know how people of color have had to do the same thing, where they you know you have to be good and then some. You know, like Simone Biles, she has to be, you know, it's not enough that she's just an Olympic athlete. She's an Olympic athlete who has to break records and set new yeah. records and do all this stuff for people to say that she's great. And I'm like this, I'm like, as funny as the entire exchange was and the entire situation was, I was actually mad about it later because I'm like, it shouldn't 
Like, I shouldn't have to prove to you that I know what the fuck I'm talking about by sending you a 300-page PDF or something. And, like, Janice has had the, you know, and Janice gets questioned way more on Twitter than I do. And it's because she's a woman of color. And it's just like, shut the fuck up and just do what I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, like, just shut the fuck like. And anybody who's heard me on like, like, I swear, I think I was the first one to actually swear on the Southside Sox podcast. It's like a badge of honor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, and I've had art, like, at this point, I don't read the comments in any of my articles. Um, because, you know what, I think I had one instance where someone left like a shitty comment where they were like, they made some smart remark about like, oh, you're only getting your information from Twitter. Because I, like, made a joke about the St. Louis Cardinals all getting COVID from going to the casino. Which is funny. And what was, which is very clearly a joke, but a St. Louis Cardinal fan got mad about it. Well, that's And I was do. like, yeah. And then I was like, well, congratulations. I'm making this joke till the end of time because I'm a middle <laughs> child. It's like, oh, I'm a middle child. Worked. Yep. I'm a middle child and I'm super petty. And I will ride this thing till beyond it's not funny anymore. Right. Uh, so, but just for like the sake of my mental health, I just don't read the comments. Um, there have been a couple, a couple exceptions, like for Estrogen Power Hour, how we came up with the name. Actually, Janice came up with the name and it was kind of just like a throwaway. And I was like, you know what? It's funny. Like, we we're all just like, it's funny. Let's just keep it. Um, and, so we did. <laughs> and, and then and did somebody... You- well, oh, I was going to say, did you, did you think that, that, did you do it knowing that there would probably be somebody saying something somewhere at some point in time? Well, we were like, I'm sure someone will have a problem with it, but we just thought it was funny. You know, it was like, it made us laugh and we were like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then there was somebody who commented under the very first posting of it that was like, well, this is sexist because of estrogen. And what? I said, yeah, well, and I responded, it's nice to hear from a fan. Also, everybody has estrogen. like so usually when i'm being snarky back to people who are being assholes i just like being assholes about like something i posted or an article i wrote my response is always it's nice to hear from fans i mean that that has to that has to make it easier because you i mean I, i know you said you don't read the comments but I was wondering, like, how many of these things that you get that are just bullshit that you actually respond to? Not just because it's like, well, I've got, you know, not the, not the trope of I have time today, but how many of these are, are even depends. slightly nuanced that you, like, feel some need to respond to? It? it depends on what it is. So for the most part, I have my notifications on Twitter set to where, like, if you follow me, I get the alert. If you don't follow me, I don't get the alert. Just because... I say some shit that would just take up too much time in my day <laughs> if I responded to every jackass. Um, and I, I've openly criticized Barstool and I've openly criticized Trevor Bauer and that's gotten me yelled at. And I've actually had to lock my account for a couple of days because of stuff like that. And I've learned from arguing with the Trevor Bauer people, especially now with him being suspended with all of the criminal stuff going on around him that they don't care about facts. You know, I have a legal background. I was a paralegal before I changed careers. Um, So I will read legal stuff and be able to understand it and explain it in a way that's simpler for people to read and understand. Because not everybody gives a shit about the criminal code, right? Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, Well, I mean, in some cases, I suppose it's for good reasons, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like for the most part, nobody gives a shit. Um, and I've discovered that when when well, there's no evidence from commenting like, well, actually, when she submitted her police report, there were pictures and there is like XYZ, and this is what the definition of consent is in California. And they'll still respond, Well, she said she'd have sex with him, so what he did wasn't wrong. And I'm like, okay, oh. so oh. you didn't read anything that I put out there. Okay, fuck you. So it's depend. It really depends on like the kind of mood I'm in and the kind of comments it is. Like if it's somebody who keeps coming back and like being snarky, I'm like, all right, 
I'm going to, I'm going to do this and you're going to cry because <laughs> I will respond and just be a jerk. And like, and I know these people aren't, they're not entitled to my time, but sometimes I just feel like being an asshole <laughs> back to somebody who's being an asshole to me. So well, that's it, where a lot of that. I mean, it, it makes, it sounds like um, a, a friend of mine who does roller derby and that's how we ended up interacting has a podcast called holding space. Uh, Name is Magical yep. Wheelism. If you if you haven't seen Roller Derby, first of all, check out Roller Derby. I will always. Oh my God, Roller <laughs> Derby is wild. Oh, tell I me. I want to do roller. I want to do it, but I can't roller skate. Do it, do it. I'm gonna I say do it. I would die. We've I would got, die. We, we have learned to skate classes. Okay, this is now a, this is now an advertisement for Windy City Rollers for the next twenty seconds. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we have learned to skate classes. Uh, we are working on getting a new practice space, but for the time being, we are have been cleared to have regular practices again. We uh, requirements are in place in terms of recommendations, so things are fairly safe. And we will teach you how to roller skate if you just want to <laughs> come out and do that. If you have aspirations of being the best roller derby player ever, or if you just want to play on some weekends, there's a spot for you. There's everybody's got a spot. Everybody Excellent. eats. So everybody we'll talk more. I might I may have to come try this because I'm like, I want to do roller derby, but I don't know how to skate. And I'm like, but it's so cool. It's so bad. It ah, it's so good. But uh, so, <laughs> okay, so back to the show. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, Magic, Magical Wheelism is, is her name. And she's got this podcast called Holding Space. And it's talking about people who don't necessarily or haven't necessarily had that voice uh, within roller derby because it, it's, it's subject to the same uh, biases and prejudices that any organized society is. So a lot of people who were getting uh, say, were like the kind of, you know, we're, we're just, just like a certain group, whether they yep. were athletic, whether they were a certain gender, whether they were a certain race, you know, they were the ones getting the say. So basically it seems like it's, you know, when you have time, it's just you holding your own space. It's like, I'm not, I'm gonna be an asshole because I have the right to be an asshole. Because yep. y'all have been telling me I don't know anything. Right. And that was how I felt with like the pitchfork guy. I was like, I could walk away, but I don't want to. Because you just, a simple Google search. I think that was what did me because I'm like, first of all, I love Google. Fuck you. <laughs> like A simple Google search is not going to solve this for me because I know my shit. But here's what a simple Google search could have done for you. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of a, yeah, I, I totally get it there. And that was, you know, that was one of them. I'm like, I could walk away and not say something, but I'm going to dunk on him because it's Friday and why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to get up for work tomorrow. You know, that's all, that's a good reason for anything is like, it's Friday today. I'm going to go yep. ahead and do this. I literally bought champagne again on Friday <laughs> uh, to celebrate the White Sox clinching the division. You know what? You can buy champagne any day you want just to celebrate the fact that it's Wednesday or that, it's, you know, today that the day ends in Y or you want mimosas for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't need an excuse. <laughs> well, uh, going into the, uh, the overall theme about what you do and, and why you find it good. And we've talked about um, the White Sox and, and you writing for Southside Sox and for the Estrogen Power Hour, which I which I think is is. I want more, there's more about the estrogen power hour coming within this next topic, but um, we haven't talked about what you do outside of writing. And I want to get into that because that is encompassing the whole of, of who is Colleen Sullivan and <laughs> why you get up in the morning and, and walk out the door. So just like talk about what you do outside of, of journalism. And then as we, we kind of rotate back, like why you find these things good. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm like, I always feel bad when people are like, what are your hobbies? Because I'm super boring. Like <laughs> I, I read a lot. Like I was an English major in college. So I have a lot of books. I read a lot. It's just, you know, it's just my thing. Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of movies, all of that good stuff. Um, my real job that pays the bills, I work in advertising, um, which is a whole mess of things all on its own. And, you know, I don't hate, you know, it's one of those that's like, I need a job to pay the bills. There's nothing wrong with that. 
So I do things like the estrogen power hour and I do the writing and I do the baseball stuff because that's something that I enjoy. And that's something outside of just like getting up and going to work every day that I can do and that I can have fun doing and like enjoying the White Sox Twitter community and the Mets Twitter and just baseball Twitter in general. Um, it's, you know, it gives me that sense of enjoyment and like a sense of camaraderie especially now where it's like there's still a pandemic people are still separated so the internet kind of unites everybody to an extent and and within that within that white Sox twitter community that we we got into very briefly like just what are the things that you found that's good i will you know what i will say and this, again, this has been my experience in white sex Twitter. I know that it's not the same for everybody. My experience is not universal. I have found that a lot of people in white sex Twitter are very supportive. They're very, um, you know, positive for the most part, inclusive. They want to welcome new fans. They want, you know, and obviously, again, still a couple people who hate the bandwagon fans and all of those things. <laughs> but... Fans, right but for the most part i found the community really welcoming and wanting to not just read things that are stats heavy and dry i want to say yeah. um because like not everybody understands fan graphs right not everybody understands stat cast and not everybody enjoys that um and one of the you know i've gotten criticized to an extent um, for some of the recaps or uh, game threads that I've posted or the know your enemies because I don't rely very heavily on stats. And that's because I want to make it more available for everybody for not just like the diehard fans, but I want the casual fans to have fun. And plus know your enemy is supposed to be like, I kind of approach it with like, this should be dumb and funny as well as informative. (laughs) So, you know, so it's like, okay, I'm going to compare the pitching matchups, recap what happened last time, throw in some jokes, ask people why they hate the opposing team. And usually a lot of those answers, unless it's someone that like, I personally truly hate, like the Kansas City Royals. Yes. I'm picking like the funny answers, like for today's for Cincinnati, there were a lot of like, Mr. Redlegs looks like the snidely whiplash version of Mr. Met. Oh, no, I read this. I read this before I came on. Yep. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I like to pick. Like, I'm going to pick, I usually want to pick the answers that are going to make me laugh. Um, Just because it's fun and baseball is supposed to be fun. So, and also like my idea for how to approach Know Your Enemy was born out of like old Deadspin, like the old Deadspin that got shut down, not whatever they're putting out now. Yes. Um... Drew, I want to say his last name is Marjorie, and I always oh, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, he was doing a football preview called Why Your Team Sucks. Yep, I remember that. I love like and I loved those, like, I just thought they were really funny. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I wanted to adopt going into Know Your Enemies. Like, this is a fun thing, like, yes, these are some of the true, some of the stuff that has actually happened, but it's just funny like it's just fun this is supposed to be a good thing <laughs> so that was just how i generally approached that one <laughs> and it keeps it interesting that's true i mean the reds one i will say i'm glad that people uh talked about marge shot because i remember a yep. uh, i remember a, one of those obituaries being written about her i think in the sun times and this was this was in like the early 2000s or late 90s and i had never heard of her but i was i this yep. was probably the first time i remember reading something like that and not just taking it like oh you know she does sound interesting it was like this doesn't sound like a nice person she wasn't well and that's the thing like my cousin went to university of cincinnati and the way that i really found out about marge shot was that uh there was an article i want to say like last year about how University of Cincinnati was taking her name off a building and that it it was something that had really been championed by like former major league baseball play former and current players who had been who had gone to University of Cincinnati and I was like who is this woman um so that yeah 
because I had ne- I had never heard of her before because she was long past being an owner by the time like the internet was invented and I could read about other teams. Um, so I read it. So I fell down a wormhole reading about her and was like, oh, oh, oh no, oh she's yeah. one of them. <laughs> she she's not one of the good first lady of baseball people. Oh no. Um, and then I asked my dad because you know that's kind of the, you know that's the kind of stuff that like he knows having lived during that time he's like oh yeah they were gonna take the team away from her because she was so bad he's like she was so racist they were gonna take the team away from her and because she let her dog shit on the field and she did all this other yep. stuff and i'm like i'm like and they named a building after her <laughs> i was like amazed um but then i i had asked my cousin who went to the university of cincinnati about it she had no idea she's like i don't know so i guess <laughs> Well, which kind of made me feel like it wasn't as big of a deal in Cincinnati as it was outside of Cincinnati. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that was the impression I had with that. But yeah, like anytime somebody pulls up Marge shot, I'm like, yes, I'm not the only dork out there that knows stuff like this. Oh, she's she's bad. She was she was. Oh mad yeah, bad. she was a bad one. That Dave oh, Winfield yeah. quote alone. Is yes. just, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it because if anybody nope. wants to look it up, look up Marge shot quote on Dave Winfield, just so you yep. can um, get some extra reps in at the gym. It'll it'll <laughs> do that for you, like like watching The Big Short. If you if you ever watch The Big Short and need to like get some you know some energy, like an adrenaline rush, it's really good for that. So Ugh. hopefully, um, reading about Marge shot makes you as angry and as pumped to get into the uh, into the weights. <laughs> yeah. I mean, reading a lot of the stuff about her, I was like, oh, she kept saying the quiet part out loud, did you? Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and she was loud about it. She was real loud. Oh, yeah. She was real loud about it. I'm like, you just, you just kept going. You just really didn't think that anything was going to happen to you. Like, I'm, holy crap. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the camaraderie of it because that, I think that is, um, that's something I found myself kind of passively or, or, or unconsciously searching out. And sometimes it bugs me when when White Sox Twitter does get uh, bogged down in stats because then it's, you know, it, it, you know it's, it's like, it's almost like you have to kind of open another door in order to be invited in some ways. Like you have to. Yeah. And this, this isn't, obviously we're, we're here. We're not talking about anybody, but man, I'm like. No, but yeah, sometimes. Expected on base average. No. Like, I'll pull out, you know, and, like, I'll complain during a broadcast. I'm like, ugh, Kellis Keifel, you're killing me. Like, do you not know where the zone is? You know, I'll complain yes. about that during the broadcast. But, like, I can obviously see, and I know everybody's doing that. Um, But it's when people are like, well, Yasmani Grandal sucks because he has a low batting average. And I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> That's when I'm going to pull out, like, the stat stuff. that Like, actually, batting average isn't really a great indicator. Look at his on-base percentage. His on-base percentage is, like, significantly higher because he walks a lot. And then somebody was like, well, we're not paying him a ton of money to walk. I'm like, <sighs> not getting it. Yeah. And I think I just responded with a gif of like a little stick guy with like the word, the point, and it was going over his head. Oh, I, I was like, that. yeah, I was like, that's just, you just don't, you just want to be mad about something. <laughs> you know, like you just, like, if you don't like Yasmani Grandel, it's okay to say it. Like, you don't need to be like, kind of an idiot about it just like i don't like his mining ground now cool neither does my dad you know <laughs> neither do dodgers fans. like my dad and my dad like my dad just doesn't like him um he doesn't like a lot of his defense and that's just you know people don't like it people it's okay to not like someone <laughs> to not like true. something yeah and that's what i feel like telling people a lot when they're like well i don't like you know I like Zip Collins because he hits home runs. I don't care about his crappy defense. I'm like, well, I guess you're allowed to like him, but you're wrong. But you're allowed to you're you're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, and like that's always that's always what I want to feel like to people. Like it's okay to not like Zach Collins because I don't. You know, it's okay to like Chris Bryant when he played for the Cubs. It's a you know, and you're a Sox fan. It's okay to not like Jose Abreu because, in which case, who are you if you don't like yeah, Jose I don't, Abreu? I don't know that person. No, but there yeah. were a lot of people who didn't like like Gilito and Angle in 2018. Mm-hmm. And my dad, my dad was one of them, and my husband was one of them. And I would sit and watch, and I'm like, 
guys, just wait. I said, Giolito is going to, I said, just wait. Giolito is going to figure it out. This is not like he's the worst pitcher in baseball right now. He's not going to continue to be the worst pitcher in baseball. There is a reason the Nationals drafted him when they did. It's not because the national scouting team is stupid. You know, I'm like, there's like, there is a reason he's going, like, it's going to be okay. And then in 2019, he was amazing. And I was like, ha I was right. Um, and then with, you know, Adam Engel, I'm like, his defense is amazing. You can see that he's stealing home runs. It's wild. His offense kind of sucks. However, so does everybody else's right now. So it's really noticeable that his offense sucks. And I would tell my dad and my husband, I said, just wait. When they get, you know, when Luis Robert comes up, when Eloy comes up, when they get a good solid offense going, him being like a 200 hitter is not going to matter because it's being, there's a team around him that's hitting higher, that's doing better. And the value he's providing for the team is that defense in center field that is very important and that you want. So then again, I got to say I was right for both of them. Which my husband doesn't bother, but my dad's like, oh, stop it. <laughs> I know you're right. You don't have to remind me. So, so it's it's that it's that camaraderie. I mean, because when when things get you like when I'm when I'm asking people, it's like, you know, what do you find good about this? It's like something that you look forward to jumping into. And it, it's still in a, in a weird part of this generation that we're coming up in because we came up more, we had computers, but we still came up with like, you call somebody on the phone and you see people um, in different yep. places. And so this idea of a virtual community where everybody or, or a lot of people know each other and interact every day is still, I think to me, kind of yep. strange. So what about it? Like, if, if we're just talking about that, like, what about it? Where do you look at like, yeah, I like being in here. It's good for me. It feels virtuous even. It feels like Aristotelian <laughs> virtuous. What is good yeah. about it? You know, there's a lot of good people. I mean, there's a lot of friendly people. There's, even when the team was doing like not great at the beginning of the season, there's still like people getting a laugh about it. Like there's crossover WWE and White Sox memes. Yeah. Or like just funny photoshops that like, that aren't, you know, photoshops that are not done out of like malicious intent, but are just funny and just like, you know, it was that everybody has a good sense of humor. Like a lot of the people that I interacted with and that I follow are not like the doom and gloom people, right? That like, they didn't, they lost four games in a row and oh my God, the world is over. The rebuild sucks. It's April. Okay, calm down. Um, so I found a lot of like, I think the good sex Twitter, the people that just like, have a good perspective about it. And you know what? Everybody gets that point in the middle of the season if they're not doing well and you're like, are you kidding me? It's so hard to be a fan of this team, the state. But then you can go online and like somebody makes a joke about Andrew Vaughn kind of looks like Gromit from Wallace and Gromit. (laughs) You know, and you kind of look at it and you're like, yeah, he kind of does look like a little claymation guy that's like adorable and and everybody (laughs) loves. You know, and like, and again, you know, it's not like malicious stuff. It's just like, you know what? Yeah, that is kind of funny. And like finding, I guess, like finding your joy in the doldrums of times. That puts a point on it about as fine as you possibly can. And, and yeah. you're right. Like everything you said, we're still, we're still in the midst of this pandemic. We're still in the midst of a lot of uncertainty. So yep. having something like that that you can go to, um, and, and to some degree rely on, right? That yep. That is exactly what I'm like. That's why I have this podcast. That's what I'm trying to find out. Yep. And now whenever I see Andrew Vaughn, I'm like, he's the claim. Where's his little claymation dog? You know, it's just kind of, <laughs> it's just like my, it like spirals in my head. I'm like, who is the claymation dog? Ooh. And they just showed a guy on the broadcast with Pete Rose jersey. Ooh. Well. Well, if, if Andrew Vaughn has a claymation dog, would you, okay, would you rather have him have a claymation dog or the beard he is cultivating? His little beard makes me laugh. Like, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Vaughn, I will, Andrew Vaughn seems like a very nice person. By all he accounts, he's a, he's a very nice guy. 
But I feel like the pictures that the team releases of him kind of do him dirty. You know, like when they put his picture up on the Jumbotron at the park, it looks like somebody surprised him before they took his picture. Um, and, you know, whenever they show him with his beard, I'm like, oh, Andrew Vaughn. Like, when you hit puberty, that thing's going to come in real nice. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, like, it, he's he's like 10 years younger than I am. And I have to laugh about, I have to make a joke somewhere about it. And then I don't feel so old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, oh, so speaking of like not having the internet and stuff. So this weekend, my husband and I went to Milwaukee for the Mets Brewers game on Saturday. And there was a little boy sitting next to me. Um, and he had, he has, he had a Mets shirt on and it looked like it was like one of those little league t-shirts. So he was like, I'm a Mets fan. And I think it was like, I'm a Mets fan because they're my little league team. But, you know, like the oh, stuff yeah. that little kids, yeah, like the stuff little kids do. And it's just really cute. And he's like, I'm a Mets fan, but I don't like Javi Baez. <laughs> Which I, was like, I was like, dude, same. <laughs> it's like, I'm with you. I'm with you, my same. guy. Yeah, I'm like, yep, same little buddy. <laughs> um, and he, he was with his grandma. And I forget, I can't remember what he asked her, what he wanted to know. And he's like, can you ask Google what team he played for or something like that? And I was like, oh, it was the can you ask google that did me in and i was like oh man i wish i had that when i was a kid <laughs> just like googling oh yeah this is the team that drafted him and all of that stuff and maybe like my brain would be able to be occupied with other things but it's full of like random baseball knowledge <laughs> i want to yep. i want to thank you again for coming on the show um you can catch really? colleen as we said on south side socks doing the know your enemy column in the postseason Yay! In the postseason now, so we will get another uh, run of tell us why you don't like the Houston Astros. I can't wait. I love you know what the Houston Astros, I think, was probably the most responses I've ever gotten. And I really had to like trim it down. Because usually I'll try to include everybody, and I'm like, man, these are so good, but I can't include They're such all an easy them. target right now. I know. And you know what? They had it coming. They shouldn't have cheated. That's but that's another podcast. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <laughs> well, tell them, um, tell the people where they can find you in the virtual world, as we say. Yeah, so in the virtual world, I'm at uh, southsidesocks.com. You can just click on my name under one of the Know Your Enemies, or I think you can filter to Know Your Enemy. Um, I don't just do Know Your Enemy over there. I also do Estrogen Power Hour, which we're going to be getting together to do a new episode soon because we haven't done one in a really long time because we've all been busy. Um, and that is for everybody, not just for, you know, a couple white people, but it's a space <laughs> for everyone. That was the point of Estrogen Power Hour. It's a space for everybody, even for the people who don't see themselves in the baseball world. Nice. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Colleen Sullivan. I keep my full name because that is the only thing I have that is like my actual name with no numbers <laughs> and no spaces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't get rid of it now. Um, true. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I pop up on some of the Southside Sox podcasts every once in a while to, you know, swear at Brett and say dumb shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a new Know Your Enemy for the Reds. There's going to be a new one for the Tigers this week, which we have to make fun of them for the dumb fight with Jose Abreu because who yep. fights Jose Abreu? Honestly, who fights Jose Abreu? What's the matter with you? Uh, people um, and, don't know what's coming, evidently. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, if and also like seeing Luis Robert run at me, I would, you know, I'm I'm a pretty scrappy Southsider, but if I saw Luis Robert running at me, like my ass is out of there. <laughs> well, if honestly, if he's running at you, he's probably trying to dance, low key. I hope so. Not like running at me out of anger, because no. he's like. It, He's built like a linebacker. Like he in another life, he'd play football. Yeah. <laughs> like if he ran at me, I'd I'd run away. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> Detroit Tigers, we're gonna be making fun of them this week. And then next up is Houston Astros. So think of all the reasons you guys hate the Houston Astros. I will be open to any suggestions you have. Look it up, folks. This has been another episode of What's Good Radio. Check us out online at anchor.fm slash what's good radio and the number one. 
You can find me on Twitter at Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. Shout out as always to the Bradley University Barbecue Kitten Improv Troupe. We'll see you next time around. Until then, be good and do great things. The What's Good Radio theme was written and produced by Marcel Ayers. Find more of his music online at soundcloud.com slash CEL Lucky Menace. Listen to every episode of What's Good Radio on anchor.fm slash what's good radio one.